This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello everyone, it's your favourite podcast host here, Joe Redman, just letting you know that the TalkSport Fan Network is now proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18+. plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor in-play betting. Watch the action, predict the action, and make your best bet with the latest odds on over 1,000 daily events. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. We're going to build a train so big it can't be stopped. From the executive producers of Power. We got enemies eyeing us, cops clocking us. Comes the new season of Power Book 4, Force. Tommy Egan is the linchpin to bringing down all of these gangs. Egan's too dangerous to be left alive. Power Book 4, Force. Game over. Premieres Friday, September 1st, only on Stars and the Stars app. Back for Arfield. What a Scott Arfield! He's been threatening that recently. And all the Burnley players run to the Darwin end. Oh, what a goal! What a goal from Robbie Blake! Burnley's first goal in the Premier League is something very, very special. Wade Elliott had that change of pace and he's got away from Montgomery. It's the path of McCann and the ball plays the net. What a strike from Wade Elliott. A bolt from the Clarendon Blue. Oh goodness me! What a goal from Patterson! If that is to be the one that takes them to Wembley, you cannot argue with that. Pure quality. I mean, if there's any justice in the world, Burnley would surely score from this corner. Swung right in there. Ball in there. Yeah! Michael Kellan! Oh, that's Come on! 
justice at the Amex Stadium. Burnley are level and deserve to be. Hello everyone and welcome along to the latest episode of the Turfcast podcast pre-game show with me, Joe Redmond, ahead of this weekend's game against Sunderland is of course on Friday, thanks to Sky Sports Burnley sticking pretty much every game that we have on uh, around this time. I think they just basically want to film the promotion, want to be there when we go up, um, so they've chose all the games around now. Um, of course, we win this one and we're in a very good position. We can go up against Middlesbrough next Friday, which will be a very good Friday uh, if that happens. Um, obviously, looking forward to that, looking forward to this game. Sunderland, the weird side, though. Um, I sometimes watch them and think, these are quite decent. I sometimes watch them and think, these are very poor. Um, so I do think it's going to be interesting which Sunderland turns up at the weekend on Friday. Um, I've got a Sunderland fan waiting in the rings, in the wings. We'll bring him in in just a second. Um, but yeah, international break over. I know a lot of people don't like the international football these days, but I do. Um, happy to see England win two games. Um, so buzzing with that. It's just a shame Josh Cullen. I watched Ireland against France yesterday. Um, I'm recording this on Tuesday. Um, I watched Ireland against France last night. It's just a shame Josh Cullen. He played okay, um, but he gave the ball away for their goal, didn't he? Um, and I hope that doesn't knock his confidence a bit. Um but a lot of Irish lads are sort of like saying, um, Quilter, if he still listens slash watches the show, obviously Irish Burnley fan. Uh, some of you will know, used to come on the show back in the day. Um, I know a lot of Irish lads think he's a very, very, very good player and one of their best players. So hopefully that, um, like I said, doesn't dent his confidence too much. But um, I do want to quickly touch on the Blackburn tickets. And I know I've gone on about it before, so I'm not going to slag them off again, even though they are a set of bastards for doing what they did. Um, but obviously today's the day that we all should have found out whether we got tickets. I, it's, I'm, I'm a little bit worried now because I know those of you that follow me on Twitter will have seen that I put on Twitter saying it says successful on the Claret's ticket website thing. But I never got the email. Um, the emails do go to my dad and he's not texted me saying you've got an email. I told him to text me. So um, a little bit worried about that. But it does say successful. So fingers crossed I am successful. And I hope everybody watching, listening, I hope you all got your tickets as well. It's a shame they've done what they've done, that good people have to miss out on tickets. I've been speaking to a couple of people that have missed out. I really do feel for you. I, I know how it feels because obviously we had, the last ballot we had was for the home game against Liverpool a few seasons ago during covid because obviously they brought them back. I think we could only get 8,000 in or whatever it was. I missed out on that. So I know how it feels. Uh, it's a bit of a shitter. But yeah, Blackman have been absolute knobs. Um, so fingers crossed you all got tickets. But anyway, let's move on. Because um, I'm sure that'll get clipped up by a Blackman fan again. Going, oh, they're still crying. Like, yeah, we are because you're a set of dicks. Um, moving on, let's talk Burnley Sunderland. As mentioned, we do have a Sunderland fans waiting in the wings. You'll have seen him before. It is Graham Fork from the What's the Fork podcast. And that's Fork, F-A-L-K, before YouTube demonetize anything. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, not too bad. It's funny, uh, I listened to the intro um, and the first bit of commentary was Scotty Arfield. I bumped into him playing golf the other day. Nice chat. Did you actually? I did, yes. Uh, I asked him for a photo, which he seemed like he couldn't really be asked with, but he smiled and he took it <laughs> and then he left and then he, he played golf. Uh, yes, I did. Happy days. How is he? Is he all right? Yeah, good looking boy. Uh, made <laughs> yeah. me look my 37 years I'm coming up. Um, seemed all right. Good spirits. I think he's... It's kind of been here for years now up in Glasgow, which is where I'm based, for people who yeah. are wondering why I would bump into Scott Arfield in Sunderland. Um, yeah, seems all right. Seems like a nice lad. I like Scott Arfield a lot. The missus likes him even more. 
<laughs> yeah, I could imagine. Yeah, he's a legend around these parts. That, that bit of commentary was him scoring at Blackburn. Um, so that's why he's a legend in these parts. Who put the ball in the bastard's net? Super Scotty Arfield. Oh, that song has changed now to Super Ashley Barnes. Um, and the song used to be uh, Super Jason Shackle. So it'll change again uh, at some point in a few years' time, hopefully in April, um, where we sing, I don't know, Super Taylor Howard Bellis. Um, but anyway, let's get on to Burnley versus Sunderland. It is, of course, Friday. I know you're coming down for it, so that is a trek all the way from Glasgow. Looking forward to it? Nervous? A little bit like kind of looking forward to the game, but not the, the result sort of thing? How are you feeling? Yeah, I suppose maybe. The game's kind of probably aligning with a lot of what the season is. The season's kind of a free hit. Um, look, I won't deny that I don't think Sunderland are a massive football club. and People might think that's biased, but I'll show them history. We are a big football club, especially at this level. But we have come up from League One, and, and I kind of had this mantra of just 15th, 15th, 15th all season. And then January time, we were like, we'll beat Blackburn, as I'm sure you will remember, in the last minute on Boxing Day to go fourth. And we were like, oh, hang on a minute. Um, we're fourth year. Um, it's tailed off a little bit. I'll, I'll get into the reasons for that. And we've kind of landed in, I think we're 11th, 12th at the minute. So Burnley away. Um, yeah, I'm not expecting anything, if I'm honest with you, for really obvious reasons. But it is a bit of a free hit. Like if you come away and you've got beat, you know, one, two or three nil, there's probably reasons we can find behind why. Um, again, which we'll go into. But if we go there and we get a result, then, then brilliant. Probably similar to the game against Norwich a few weeks ago. Um, expected nothing from that game. We're a really good side on really good form. And we won 1-0. And Lugo 9 ended up kissing one of their players towards the end. Which I did very see funny. that. Ashley Barnes has done that before. Um, so yeah, we do appreciate that. But yeah, you mentioned there your season's tailed off. I am quickly going to make you big so you do go full screen on this, just so you don't panic. I've done that to somebody before and they've gone, Where have you gone? I'm just going to make you big so you chat about it because my battery's going on. I need to plug it in. Um, but talk to me about why your season has fallen off because, like you said, you went fourth. I remember watching you at some point, mainly that Blackman game, thinking these can get into the playoffs here. What a story that'd be if some of them went up with us. Um, but it has tailed off a little bit recently, hasn't it? Why is that? Yeah, so I mean, mainly the reason that it, it's tailed off is uh, things that A, you can't control, but B, in my opinion, and there'll be fans that don't agree with me 100% on this, you can control. So I think people will remember the 4-2 game um, against yourselves. Now, to be honest, there was a part, I think it was after the... So Ross Stewart got a, a thigh injury in the game that eight minutes before Middlesbrough um, away from home... And he was out for 11 to 13 games. But at the same time, we only had one striker, which was Ellis Sims. And we kind of went, oh, hope he doesn't get injured. Guess what happened the game afterwards? He got injured. So in that run, when we actually played against you, we were playing with like four midfielders up front and just interchanging them because we had no centre forward. So I think we won one in eight at that period. Um, without actually playing that badly, you could just see we didn't have a centre forward. And then... Ellis Sims came back, um, Ross Stewart got back fit again, and we went from being like 12th back to 4th because Ross Stewart's a tremendous footballer. He's our best player. And Ellis Sims is a really good finisher. And then <laughs> Everton decided to recall Ellis Sims in January. And what happened next? Ross Stewart got a season-ending injury. Um, that was three days before the transfer window closed. We just signed Joe Geldhart, who is nothing like either of those two. He scored one in eight or something like that. He's quite blatantly a number 10. That would probably have been quite a nice foil for Stuart Sims. But basically, we still play good football. We can still fight and battle. We still have really lovely interplay. 
but since the end of January, we haven't had a centre forward. Um, and it's the second time this season has happened. And that, that for me, I know it's unlucky, but the recruitment team should have probably fixed that because it's, it's not going to cost us because we're not going down. And people will think, oh, come on, like you've just came up. But it feels a little bit like a missed opportunity at the same time. It feels like a free hit of a season. So it's a weird one, but that's mainly why it's tailed off. We don't have a centre forward. Yeah, and is that currently the still the same situation? I remember you, we've just done a podcast on your show, haven't we? You're saying you don't currently have any strikers. You didn't currently have any strikers when we played you earlier in the season. Still scored a couple of goals, to be fair. Um, mm. So is that is that the situation going into this game in terms of injuries? Yes, yeah, still don't have any strikers. Yeah, it'll be the it'll be the situation to the end of the season. So we were quite lucky with Ross's injury. We thought it was a ruptured Achilles. It's actually just a, a, a bad Achilles injury, but it's probably going to just keep him out of the summer. And obviously, Ellis has gone back to to Everton. He's now scoring goals against Chelsea. Um, we've been playing Joe Geldhard up front, who I think some people see him as a striker. After watching him for the past three months, I can categorically tell you he's not. Um, for me, he's a number ten by the simple fact that he's missed lots of easy chances. Um, he puts a good shift in, but he's no real different to maybe what we did with when we played Diallo up front through the middle and Pritchard up front through the middle. To me, he looks like an advanced midfielder at best as a centre-forward. We don't have a focal point in any way, shape, size, or form. And the, the funny thing is, there's a couple of games where we've been looking to get points near the end and we've just ended up tripping Danny Bart or one of our centre centre-halves up front. And it's actually quite funny how many goals we've scored because all of a sudden we have a big lad to occupy a defender and yeah. all our really good players like around them, the Diallos, the, the Roberts, Pritchard, whoever it may be, can get into those little spots. And I just think, you know, ultimately this season was about consolidation, but I don't think the division is as good as people think. And I think we realised that about seven games in. We've got the likes of Jack Clark, Roberts, some really good players in that advanced midfield position and on the wings. And when Ross Stewart or Sims is there, we look really, really good. And I think we really could have pushed for the playoffs. And I think once you're in the playoffs, once you're at Wembley, it's it's 90 minutes away from where you want to be. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, without a centre forward, I think it's difficult for any team, no matter how good you are across the rest of the pitch, to function because you don't. And, and Tony Mowbray said it himself, we don't have the tools to win football games. We don't at the minute. Yeah, I'm just looking at your last 10 games, uh, which stretch back all the way to the 8th of February. That's including an FA Cup fourth-round replay that you had against Fulham. And you've scored in every single one of these. So, you, obviously, you've got a, a situation where you don't have a striker, but you're still scoring goals. 1-1 last time out against Luton. Uh, lost 2-1 against Sheffield United. Beaten Norwich 1-0. Got beat by Stoke 5-1. Got beat by Compton 2-1. Rather than 2-1. And it goes on in a similar vein. Stuffed QPR 3-0. Um, and and score, you're scoring one or two goals in most games. Obviously, there's a couple of games here and there, like the QPR one, where you've actually got three. So where are your goals coming from? Are they coming from advanced midfielders such as Geldot or out wide? Yeah, a lot of them come. I mean, the, the goal against Luton was um, a penalty. It was never, ever a penalty. We deserved a draw, don't get me wrong, but it was never a penalty in a month of Sundays. Diallo has like, got a little touch and he's remembered he plays for Man United most of the time and <laughs> fell over, um, bless him. But yeah, a lot of the goals come from that. And I think... It's funny because you're right, we, we have scored in every game since then. Um, I think if you look at the majority of goals that aren't from uh, penalties or aren't from, like, well, we don't score from set plays, to be honest. A lot of them are really good strikes. Like, Jack Clark's is a 20-yarder against Bristol City. Um, Jack Clark scored a really good goal against Fulham in that replay. The one against Norwich is a long-range shot from Abdullah Barr. You can just feel there's not our main striker there. It feels like we need to play incredibly well to win games. And I think 
as much as we have scored goals, I think if you look at the results that we've had with a striker compared to the results we've had without a striker, we'll we'll get goals here and there, but we're not winning games. And I think sometimes what Stuart also gives you is an out ball. And there's been certain games, I'm trying to think one off the top of my head, um, maybe Bristol City, I was, I was impressed with Bristol City a lot. They were one of the better sides to come up against us this season. And potentially going back to burn the game earlier in the season, when you 2-0 up, you can defend well, you can defend deep, you can keep your concentration and then release the ball to someone like Ross Stewart, who's one of the best target men in the league. And yeah, or maybe Ellis Sims, who you know he hasn't got the greatest touch on the planet, but he'll occupy a defender, and we don't have that. So it actually affects us from a defensive perspective as well. We're basically just not as good as a team, but in terms of where our goals would come from, you know, Patrick Roberts is an outstanding footballer. Um, I'm so pleased he's found a home and he's settled where he's at because I think everyone knows what his reputation was and he kind of went a bit nomadic and went to about 75 different clubs and he's been here for the past year and, and we love him. He's really settled. We've given him, I think, a two, two and a half year contract or a two year contract. He's really settled. Diallo is an excellent footballer. There's a reason Man United spent almost 40 million on him. Um, he can sometimes score something out of nothing, which is really handy. Geldart doesn't really score goals. Um, I think he's got one and eight since he's come. He, he looks more like a link player than anything else. Um, mm. Pritchard needs to score more goals. Um, and I'd like to see a few more goals come from Daniel. Ironically, scored one against yourselves. But I would say that they tend to come from like neat interplay around the box, but they tend to have to be really, really good goals, which we can do. I think if anyone's seen a few of our goals this season, some lovely passing moves that have ended up being great goals. But a lot of those goals in that period have been good goals. Few of them are like tap-ins or nice work within the box and someone getting on the end of a cross. It's been like lovely interplay, one-twos, breaking two in the box or long-range drives. And that's not sustainable. Um, and I yeah. just feel like even if we sound like not the one from Coldplay, but like a Chris Martin. Um, well, maybe even the one from Coldplay might work because he's quite tall. Yeah. Um, just to occupy a defender, it, it would have helped. I think, you know, we scored a the second goal against Fulham because we had our centre forward, uh, our centre back up front, like just desperately trying to get something back. He wins the header, their goalkeeper comes for it, their defender's occupied and there's a mistake. And then our young lad from Costa Rica, Jewison Benetti, gets in and, and puts a ball in the top corner. There's just no one to occupy somebody else. So sometimes when we do score, it has to be a nice goal. And then you're hoping that you can defend really well without an out ball. So it, it makes it really difficult. But, you know, thankfully, one thing I'll say with the lads is the heads don't really drop outside of the the Stoke game, which is just typical against Alex Neal. Um, the lads haven't really let the heads drop, even when we've we've been beaten. Um, maybe twice, maybe Burnley earlier in the season. But, like, I don't think there's much you could do about the way you played second half in, in that Stoke game. So the attitude and the effort and the commitment is always there. So thankfully, we, we very rarely get walloped, but it feels that we have to play really, really well to win games of football. And it's a bit frustrating because you don't need that when Ross Stewart's there. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, just looking at the league table, uh, currently down in 11th, um, but seven points off sixth. Is it? What's your ambitions now for the rest of the season? Is it a case of potentially trying to sneak in there because we're still like, what, 10 games left or whatever it is? Um, or is it a case of just see the season out, give a good account of yourselves and then try and push on next season and, and, and potentially, you know, get into the playoffs or top two next year? Yeah, I think the latter probably. Um, the season will be looked back on in three different ways. I think it'll be seen as like impressive because it's much better than we anticipated. 
there'll be some people like myself that see it as a bit of a missed opportunity because you can't really pick and choose when you get promoted. So it's not yeah. like we can just be like, oh, well, it'll be all right next season because we'll just go and do better next season because you can't really guarantee that that's going to be the case. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, but ultimately, like if we finish top 10, this has been like a massive, a massive achievement from us. You know, we brought in a lot of young boys. Kind of our recruitment model is bringing players under the age of 24 that have resale value and are young, hungry players. Uh, very similar to what I think Burnley do, but obviously you, you at the moment, because of years in the Premier League and our years in League One, there's a disparity between the clubs, yeah. uh, probably a disparity between the finances and the ambition of both clubs, which is just understandable. Um, but next season, the pressure comes on because it doesn't matter whether Sunderland were in League One for four years. If we're now in the Championship for the second season and we've done quite well in the first year and finished 10th, that's when the pressure comes. And I think anyone who knows anyone or any team in the in the, the North East, especially Sunderland, you're never too far away from a crisis. You're never too far away from from pressure because yeah. we live and we breathe it. Um, and I think next season the pressure comes because, well, it's not like we can just go, oh, well, at least we're not 15th, we've stayed up. We can go, well, we were fourth at points last season. We've got a fifth striker. Why, why are we only eighth? I think next season, I think, I would like to think we could aim for the playoffs because I don't think, and I'm sure Burnley fans will agree with me, the division is that good. No, I agree. I think it's poor this year. I do think it's... I'm obviously going to use this as an example, but I think Blackburn are terrible. And I don't just think they're terrible because yeah. of who they are. But if you, I know I know people don't like XG, and there's people who listen to this who have a go at me sometimes going to talk about XG. But just what they do in the way that they play, I don't think it's sustainable. I think it shows that they are actually a poor side. They've just got a couple of decent players in Gallagher and Diaz uh, and mm-hmm. the lad with long hair in midfield. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, Dak. No, but he's had injuries recently. And the fact that they were top at some point and are now fifth, I find it absolutely astonishing. And I think that is a perfect example of how poor the division is because Blackburn could actually go through the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I, we've played Blackburn twice this season. We played them on a, both times on Sky. We played them on Boxing Day, beat them in the last minute. Fully, thoroughly deserved that. Their goal came from a Ross Stewart own goal of, of all people. Um, and we played them away from home and got beat 2-0 when we had no strikers. The referee... Their second goal was offside. I think anyone who remembers it will see it. And then their first goal came from a break when Barrett and Diaz belted in a goal. And minutes before, it was a it was a penalty. And I think everyone kind of knew that. But essentially, when we've played Blackburn, who are a side that can get in the playoffs, they've just hit teams on the break and they have the big guy up front who can score goals. And I think, you know, Middlesbrough are one of the better sides in this league. And they beat us 1-0 at their place when Ross Stewart was injured eight minutes before kickoff. And... We've beat them 2-0 at the Stadium Light and thoroughly deserved it. So I just feel like, for me, it feels like a missed opportunity because I really don't feel you can pick and choose But like when you get promoted. But I do feel like with Sunderland, if we make a real fist of it next season, then I don't think it'll be too disappointing. It's just you always have that fear with Sunderland that, oh, what if? What if it doesn't go as well next season? Because I remember that time when we said we were going to hopefully bounced straight back from relegation at the Premier League and did a Netflix documentary and got relegated to League One. So, um, yeah. Yeah, in in essence, it has been an, a good season for us, and it, it feels so so much better than what I've had over the past decade prior, which has just been yeah, god awful. Yeah, I can imagine. Because um, obviously, our, our last eighteen months was god awful, but this one has just been so much more enjoyable um, than doing what we did in the Premier League. Um, just about surviving. Um, you, just to touch on something you said there before I go on to my next written question. 
Do you think like there's becoming a bit of a disparity between the Premier League and the Championships? Obviously, we've come down, dominated the league. I, I know people, as a particular person, Aya Johnny, if you're listening, who always has a go of saying we're going to win the league, aren't we? But we are. We're going to win the league. With what, however million points clear we are, we've dominated the league. Fulham dominated it last year, and Bournemouth weren't. Uh, Fulham had a little bit of a no. Sorry, Bournemouth had a little bit of a wobble as well. But you know they pretty much dominated throughout the season. And then next year you could get Everton coming down. I don't think they will, but you could get the likes of Forest coming down. You know Bournemouth again, who have got a lot of money. Do you just think that one of these teams is going to come down and dominate the league again? And then that leaves teams like yourselves who are trying to sneak into the playoffs. Like that is literally the best you can do at the minute while this, there's been such a gap between the Premier League and the Championship. Or, or do you think that will only last so long and then and then teams will be able to, to that the balance will get better, is what I'm trying to say? You hope so, because you've got to have that kind of... Because Sunderland, historically, I don't see Sunderland as a Championship team. And I don't know if that's arrogant. I'm not really that bothered. Um, history will tell me that Sunderland have been one of the top 20 sides in the Premier League, probably, or in England, sorry. Um, and that's where your destination has to be when you have, you know, the big stadium, the fan base um, and everything that we have, the, the training facilities and whatnot. But ultimately, like in reality, we're still a team that's just come up from League One. And with mm. that comes the money that we have and what we can invest and time and patience that is required um, and I think if I'm truthful, like I don't think I could see us winning the league for a couple of seasons at best. I think we, we need to consolidate and we need to improve. Then we need to get bigger and better. And you don't know what's going to happen within those seasons. I mean, it was like that with League One. You were kind of like, I think the first season was like us and Pompey were the two big teams. Barnsley were down there and you were like, oh, well, we're going to be one of the best three teams. And then we weren't. And then the next season you had like Ipswich came down and there was another big team. And I remember last season people were going, We've got Chef Wed, we've now got Ipswich, we've got this team, that team. We might have Derby next season. We need to get out of this division like yeah. as soon as possible. And I think you never know what the championship's gonna look like in five years' time, but we realistically probably can't we can't go in the summer and just go, Well, we'll finish eleventh this season. And we are Sunderland, so just come and join us. I know you're like potentially a Premier League player, but just come and join us. Like it's just not gonna happen. I think in essence, the way that we like our plan of signing players under the age of twenty-four. And then getting them to a point where, you know, the, the good high-level championship players, potentially low-level Premier League, could really work for us. But there's always going to be a couple of duds within that. That's just yeah. low ravages. Um, you've got to hope that you have less duds than you, you do than you do have um, successes. And I think it will take a few years for us to get there. And if the sides like Everton and whatnot come down parachute payments, then you're already one team behind potentially. But um, you know, I have faith. I hope that the balance will... I still feel like we're a club there. I, mean, I don't think any team from League One would have been able to attract Ahmad Diallo in their first season back in the Championship. So, and the likes of Patrick Roberts in League One. Um, so, I still feel like there's, I have faith that we can get to where we want to be sooner rather than later. Um, but if the likes of Everton all that come down... You know, Burnley had a say about that this season. So, with all due respect to Burnley, if a massive team like Everton also comes down, they're not going to be wanting to hang around for a couple of years. They're going to be mm. wanting to go and strip back up. And that's one of the promotion places already gone. So, I hope so. But I think Sunderland fans have been really patient, probably too patient for my liking, because of how bad it's been over the past few years. So, we could probably do another three years. But I think the pressure ramps up a bit next season for us. Yep, yep, fair enough. Um, thoughts on Burnley's season so far? Then, obviously, as I've said, Pretty dominant, pretty rampant, um, especially since the World Cup. Um, we did start slowly. Um, 
clicked around the time of that Sunderland game. As we're saying on your podcast, I do see that Sunderland game as the moment when we really started clicking and started playing in a certain way. The, the, diff, the, second, the first half in that game sort of like personifies the first half of our season. The second half in that game personifies pretty much the season since. Uh, we've been very dominant since the World Cup, lost only twice all season, um, and changed completely everything about the club, the way, the way we play, the type of players we bring in. So what are your thoughts on what we've achieved so far this season and, and how we've done it? I think I asked on uh, the Twitter page of the week, you know, what who's what's the best side you've seen this season? And I think most people said Burnley for 45 minutes. Um, and I think that that's kind of how it felt. Look, it's, uh, um, as I said before, I live in Glasgow. So every journey to a home game is at least three hours back if we're driving. So you have a lot of time to think and you have a lot of time to kind of dissect games in your head. And I felt like with Burnley, like first half, I was like, Blimey neck, maybe they're not that good, or maybe we're really good, and I just didn't realize it. And I think then you looked at the second half, and it just felt like you were scoring at will. Um, yeah, but like I think we all said in our corner, I sat right in the corner where you scored all the goals, and I went, Don't concede in the first five minutes, and then like four minutes later, it was like bollocks, yeah, like, that's what we've done. And then it kind of felt almost inevitable in a really weird way, and not in a kind of oh god, this is something, this is what's going to happen. You could just see the quality Burnley had. And I think um, I think it is admirable because I think the Burnley you look at, and I really like Sean Dyche. I really like Sean Dyche. But would I have ever feared Burnley, if I'm honest with you, not an arrogant way? No, not in the Premier League years. Certainly not because you're probably a team that for a long time were like punching above your weight, got into Europe, yeah. did all that kind of stuff. And you thought, well, well, fair enough. They've got a way of playing. In many ways, and this is going to offend a few people, so forgive me in advance, I would maybe look at you as Stoke under Tony Pulis. And I think that's what people thought. Now you see Burnley as a team that's more like a, you know, how people view Norwich. Mm. Oh, a good passing team. And all the lowers have this possession-based style and whatnot, like a better Norwich. Um, and I think that's come from work in a very short space of time to change the, the outlook of the football club. And I think a lot of that comes from company. It's yeah. easy enough to, you know, get a manager and say, well, what we're going to do is play possession-based football. We're going to do this. We're going to sign young players. We're going to, change the outlook of the club. It's another thing actually doing it. Um, and Burnley have. You can't, I mean, you're going to win the league. If you don't win the league, I'm going to say this on a recorded podcast, like you can have my house, Joe. I'll be shocked. I'll be absolutely Sweet. shocked. It's only worth I'd, I'd love, love to live in Glasgow. I'll go to Glasgow, mate. I'll have a, a, a holiday home in Glasgow. I can promise you the gas and the electric is quite expensive though, but I'm sure you know the feeling. <laughs> um, but, but I just think, like I say, there's a lot of clubs that talk the talk and don't always walk the walk or, or maybe walk with a little bit of a limp, shall we say? I feel like yeah. Burnley have talked to talk and then they've walked the walk the season. And I think, I think the big thing for me, based on the transfer embargo, which I think will sort itself out the more I've looked into it, to be honest with you, um, Burnley now have a platform in the same way that we've had a platform from League One. We had a, a process of the kind of players we wanted to sign, the way we wanted to play football, and a contingency plan for if those players or managers left. And we've come up to the championship and more than punched above our weight. And now we're talking about next season pressure being on because one of be in the playoffs. I think Burnley can do that, but higher up. I think you're now going to the Premier League and I think you're quite an attractive proposition to go to because of your manager, yeah. because of the way you've performed this season, because of the way you've dominated it, because of the players you've got within the team, how it's improved the... Um, I mean, there's players like Benton, never heard of him. Zahuri, never heard of him. Players that I've never heard of that now, I'm like, they're probably the best player in the league. And players want to have that reputation enhanced. Um, so Burnley become a really, really attractive proposition. My worry, worry for Burnley would be, when does Vincent Company get a knock on his door from another club? Mm. But that might be a while away, yeah. I don't think Company's the kind of person that's going to go and do a... I don't know, I can't think of a 
a name of a manager, Nathan Jones, maybe, or Alex Alex Neil to Stoke. There you go. Owen Coyle. Owen, Owen Coyle. Coyle. That's, that yes. still hurts, mate. That still That's hurts. The one. Um, but yeah, we've discussed that quite a bit, actually. Um, I do think it seems inevitable that he's, he's going to go on to bigger and better things. And, and why shouldn't he? You know, he's a massive name. He's done very well. I do think he wins league titles as a manager. Might not necessarily be with Man City in England, although I do as well think him managing City is somewhat inevitable at some point. Although we have said that about Liverpool and Gerrard before. And I, I don't think that will happen now. Um, no. And I think he's probably good enough to eventually manage Belgium. But again, he needs he needs to prove it at a higher level than Burnley um, or a higher level than, than what he's at now. If he gets us into, you know, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but if he got us into Europe, for example, then that might you know be enough to, to, to someone like City to 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 knock on his door. Um, and I think if the knock comes from City, unless it comes this summer, I think I think he joins. Um, I think he joins no, no matter when it is. But I don't think he'll do it too soon. I think once we go up. Sorry, once we go up, I think he'll be like, I, I, I want to do this for a bit and then he'll go eventually. But um, let's enjoy it while it lasts, Clarets, because it's been a fantastic season and I've loved every minute of it. Um, I do normally wrap up around 30 minutes, but it's been a good chat and I've got one more question for you before we do start wrapping up. Um, Tony Mowbray, um, obviously used to manage a team that I don't particularly like. Um, so I did pay much attention to their results, as you do, because you spot two teams as a Burnley fan, Burnley and whoever Blackburn are playing that weekend. Um, and they always, for the last few years, they started well um, with top for pretty much every season at some point, around September, did it again this season. But they've always faded away, and not as much this season. They're still within the battle for playoffs. But under Marbury, they're always completely fall away. Are you a little bit worried? Because it's a similar sort of thing's happened this season for you, hasn't it? Again, you can point to the injuries and stuff, and I think Blackburn fans always did something similar. But are you not worried that that seems to be the norm for Mowbray? He starts well and fades away. So maybe next season you might have a storm in August, September, October. But then by the time February, March comes around, you'll be 12th. Is that not a worry for you? Or do you think that if he's backed and, and now he's at a bigger club with bigger fans and bigger you know fan base, stadium, whatever, that it can get over the line and get you to the Prem? I think I've got two thoughts on Mowbray. I didn't really, I wasn't excited by him. It's pretty boring, isn't it? To be honest. Yeah. Um, his CV's all right. It's not amazing. But he's, he's done a really good job. He's, he's been great for the way we want the club to be in terms of looking after the young boys and kind of protecting them almost. And his brand of football is really good. Like, it's some of the best football I've seen Sunderland play. I obviously had Coventry and Blackburn fans on the preview show this season. And as soon as we get Tony Mowbray, that's totally the goal. Oh, wait till January. Then it'll go. And I was like, no, no, no. It'll be fine. Um, but I do feel a bit sorry from this year. I think if Ross Stewart's fit, I think we make the playoffs and that's my God's honest truth. I don't think we'll win it, but like for me, there's not many better than Ross Stewart in this division. And I think his statistics kind of prove that um, stats on everything, but trust me, I absolutely love Ross Stewart more than I've ever loved anyone in my life. Um, and there's a oh, reason for that. Your wife doesn't watch this. Yeah. Your wife doesn't watch this. <laughs> no, I think she'd probably agree. She'd probably love me more than love him more than me as well. So that's, that's fair play. Um, but I think we make the playoffs and that's due to the fact of, you know, how well Mowbray has the team playing. It is a bit of a worry, I can't deny there's a nagging feeling that I don't think I don't think Tony Mowbray will ever be the man to get us promoted. But I suppose at the moment most people are comfortable because that's maybe not where we're aiming so much, and maybe I'm being yeah. more ambitious than I need to be. Um, but I don't want to be in the championship forever. Like who does? I mean, I don't really yeah. miss the Premier League and all the glitz and the glamour and the rubbish and the terrible refereeing. I hate VAR, but. If you're going to be anything that's anyone that's anything, you've got to be there or thereabouts, the top division, exactly, or, yeah. or, or as high up as you historically have been in your past. And, and like I said before, Sunderland, I think historically have been one of the best 20 sides in England. Um, 
So I feel like that's where we belong. I feel like that's what our infrastructure and our, the size of our club is there or thereabouts. Where we fit in that, I don't really care. I just think that's where we are. Um, and I don't know whether Mowbray is 100% the guy to be there, but I'd be lying if I said that I haven't really enjoyed his football. I quite like him. Um, but I'd also be lying if I said, yeah, it didn't. it's played in mind a little bit. But I think there's reason for it. I think give him a striker, he probably would have done slightly better and done that at Blackburn fans. <laughs> yeah. fans. So um, I'm all right with him at the moment. If he did it next season, the same sort of run, and we had Ross Stewart fit, for example, and we just weren't winning games when he wasn't at hamstrung, then I'd be more concerned. I'll give him, I think he's got credit in the bank for me at the moment. Yep, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, let's get on to the game then. Um, predictions. Um, I know we've just done them on your show. I don't know if a chat with a, a, a more of a chat with a Burnley fan will get you confident or less confident or what. I'm going to go for two 0 I think we, uh, we win. I, like I said to you before, I do think Sunderland or Assad can worry me uh, because there are games where you play very very well, but also games where you play very very poor. Probably the definition of an inconsistent side. The way you played in the first half at the stadium and light, I remember thinking, oh, these guys are actually decent. The pressing is very, very well. Um, but then obviously we blew you away when we got chance to play football. I think we gave ourselves chance to play football in that second half by making the changes that we made at half time, uh, bringing Benson on, taking Barnsley off. Um, so I, I, I think we will have too much for you, and I think we win the game 2 0. But if Sunderland turn up, I will be a little bit worried. But again, I think we should probably still have enough to, to beat you. I just think we're playing you at the right time when I look at you, the results and how your form's been recently and the fact that you don't have any strikers. I just think your season's kind of like just petering out a little bit. Um, but what are your thoughts and predictions then for the game? Blind hope. Um, I've been to Burnley twice and seen us draw 0-0 twice, so I'm going to hope I get a hat-rick. But um, that is very much like hope and my heart speaking, I think realistically you probably will have too much for us. And I think we struggled against your second half last time. We don't have any strikers. It's going to be hard to relieve the pressure. I think Burnley will probably win, but I'm not going to say that on a recorded podcast because that's not fair on Sunderland. So I'll say nil-nil. Happy days. Uh, well, fingers crossed for your next season. I would enjoy if if, if Tony Mowbray does do this to Blackburn fans. Can you can you clip it up and tag me in it? Because I will enjoy that. And that I would also obviously mean that they've failed in the playoffs if they get there, which I think unfortunately they may well do. Um, but just before I let you go uh, and get back to the West Indies South Africa cricket match that's on behind you, uh, do you want to let everyone know where they can find you, where they can watch your content, listen to your content, that sort of thing? Sure. And um, just my own personal page is at Grim Folk. If you like women's football in specific, that's kind of what I work in. Uh, nine times out of ten, you can follow that. If you don't and you just want to listen to what you know I do on the podcast and Sunland, it's at What the Folk Pod on Twitter and we're available on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and some other stuff. Um if you listen to a podcast, we're probably on there. I just probably don't know all of them that we're on. Um yeah. so you can find us if you want to. Yeah, I, that's what I always say. I, I, to, to cover myself, I'd say you can find us in all the usual places. So you that's can find Graham in all these usual places. Because when you upload it to some of these websites, they just send it everywhere, don't they? And I have no mm -hmm. idea where they're sending it. They could have sent it to some, I don't know, random Australian podcast provider for all I know. Not there's anything wrong. I did think we do have a couple of listeners down there, actually. Um, but yeah. But anyway, mate, thank you very much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Good luck for the rest of the season, mainly next season. Um, but yeah, I've got a <laughs> bit of a soft spot for Sunderland because I went to university there for a year uh, and had a couple of friends uh, who lived up there and um, so i've been to the sol quite a few times um only seen burnley win there one store um and that was this season so i did enjoy that but thank you for coming on mate it's been a pleasure you're welcome mate thanks very much for having me sports social podcast network it's the 90th minute all your mates around you've got your mcnugget share boxes ready to go 
Your mates have already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Ornament delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.